For the next four weeks, we are going to be walking through what I call the Seeds of Time. So we've been doing the Seeds series, and I just thought since it's the beginning of the year, talking about time might be something valuable. Um, and God has a lot to say about time. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be exercising it this morning because we're going to be in the first book, we're going to be in the last book, and we're going to be in several other books in the middle. I don't know if you've ever experienced, well, I know you have. All of us have experienced dramatic situations in our life, things that change our perspective on life, really, forever. Uh, I have a few of those. Uh, one of those happens to be meeting my wife and uh, being engaged for the first time and, and getting a ring for the first time and going through premarital counseling for a long time, <laughs> a wedding that uh, we videotaped that was an hour and 15 minutes long, and I don't know that I will ever watch that video, <laughs> but it was a wonderful experience. And at first, you don't realize how much certain things change your perspective. Um, Lori was talking to me the other day about well, what's going to happen when we lose all our children and we're empty nesters? Do you think we're going to go back to where we used to sit around the house and just play games all day? And you know what? That's, we could play games, but the perspective will never be the same because we've had children. And, and I've, you'll never be able to, to feel the same way or to walk through the same things. And I'll, I'll be able to think about the time when I was single, but... I can't really remember the, the, the panting inside of me that, oh, you know, can I, am I going to find a woman or do I have to pick up the phone and, and call this girl and ask for a date and how embarrassing that is and how hard that is and will she say yes? or will, All of that stuff, it, it's no longer the same because you've already walked through it and you're in a new place. So there are experiences that are fixtures for us. They change the way we view life. They change the way that we look at things, whether it's past or future. And God gives us uh, dramatically uh, something that I, don't, I think we take for granted, really. It is a fixture whereby we can always have a correct perspective. Now, before I get into that, I, I just want to bring up one situation that we walked through, Lori and I walked through. It was when Lori, in 1991 when Lori was, in, was hit from behind in an accident. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you're in a situation that's changing your perspective, you really sometimes you can't think outside whatever that bubble is. I'm calling it a bubble because... Um, for instance, I remember we had this twin bed. It was Lori's, and so box spring, mattress. And you, in, in the 90s, you know, people would say, well, come and see our presentation. I don't know if they were timeshare presentations, but I, we went to some presentation, and they, give, they say, well, we have three prizes. You know, one is uh, two weeks in Hawaii, and then the other one is that you get a TV or you get a picture, and everybody gets the little tiny little 
you know, it was a portable TV, black and white. Well, we had this portable TV. It ran on batteries, eight D-cell batteries. And I still remember that Lori was in such pain. We were going to, first of all, we couldn't find a doctor that would meet with her. And, and, but Lori was in such pain. I still remember this. We laid her out on the bed. The only way that she could find relief was she, she kind of, she stuck her head over the bed. Um, we had something propping her chin. And then she was, because she couldn't do anything looking at the floor, we, we had this TV propped against the floor and she, was, she could watch TV. So she could get relief, a little bit of relief from her pain, and she could watch TV. Well, when you're in a situation like that, you really can't think about next year. You, you don't have a, whole, a holistic or a healthy picture about anything because you're walking through something very, very debilitating. And this is the wonderful thing about what God gives us in Jesus Christ. So what I'd like to do this morning is just start at the beginning. So if you have your bulletins and you want to start filling in, here we go. The beginning and creation are synonymous. This is something remarkable that God does. He gives us this thing called the beginning, and the beginning is really kind of the beginning of time, and it connects with God's creative work. And so creation and the beginning are synonymous. This is what it says in Genesis 1. So you're in the first book of the Bible now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So, the beginning and creation are synonymous, the same. Now, God gives us kind of a second reference here that I think we skip over. So, if we look at these verses again, look at what we find. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But look at what happens. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, what's significant about that? What's significant about that is that we find this, and I'll bring this scripture out later, that God, in God, there is there's light, but there is no darkness at all. So something happened at the very beginning that God saw fit that he had to speak light into what happened. Because darkness was over the face of the deep. And he says, let there be light. And then he does something else. He separates the light from the darkness. He separates the light from the darkness. Okay, right now I just want you to get a picture of that slide because we're going to get to Jesus really quick. This is what Revelation 21 says. And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold! I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. Okay, we're in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, 
I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. So Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. And Jesus is the beginning of the end. Now, if you go through, and I do this, and sometimes I go, oh, man, the people don't want to know all this stuff about the Greek language, how the Greek language has changed through time. But God used the Greeks in a marvelous way. Because even though at one time they had conquered the whole world, what he did was he used that structure, he used what was put in place, and he used that language to broadcast the good news around the world. In many different ways, God used Greek. And so the Greeks were the first ones who said, listen, we have the, we have the library and we have the way to live and we have the knowledge and we have the wisdom. And all of our wisdom and all of our knowledge uh, really can be summated in writing and in our alphabet. So when Jesus announces, I am the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus is going, yeah, I am the beginning and the end of wisdom, of knowledge, of everything. And then, of course, in the, in the, in the Scriptures, we have that Jesus just doesn't just say he's the Alpha and the Omega. He also says that he is indeed the beginning and the end. And what does it mean to be the beginning and the end? Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things exist or hold together. This is what it means for Jesus to be the beginning and the end. There is nothing that has been created that does not come from the hands of Jesus Christ. John 1, 5, uh, John 1, 1 through 5, unites six things into the beginning. So if you go there in John, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus unites the Word. He unites God, Jesus, He, creation, life and light as the light of men. All those things are all tied together into, with the beginning. The Word, the Lagos, who is Jesus, the He, God, creation, life, and light, and the light of men. So what God does is this through sending His Son to earth as God. He gives us a fixture, something by which we can see or perceive every experience in a healthy way because he's the beginning and he's the end. He's the beginning and he's the end. Now, Pastor Dale, this doesn't help me with, right now I'm fighting with my mother, okay? Or Pastor Dale, this doesn't help me because I'm, you know, in a difficult situation with my spouse or with my child or my neighbor, this doesn't really help me, this stuff. Well, let me 
shine a little bit more, a different light on what we just looked at. We have a couple more facts that we need to understand about Jesus. So what do we know about Jesus? Number one is he created all things. All things are in existence because of him. He is light. He is life. He is God. And we have a fixture, the beginning of all time and the end of all time, that just says Jesus. That says Jesus. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm going to put two verses together, and then we're going to look back at this Genesis passage. Remember that first passage from John that we just walked through, John 1? This is what John 1 says. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then it makes this statement. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it, overpower it, or comprehend it. Remember? So let's go back now to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at this. What's really happening here at the beginning of creation? So God created the heavens and the earth. There's darkness. God has to do something about the darkness. What does he do? Let there be light. So what's happening here if Jesus is light and there is no darkness in God? Light was already there in God, but there's a declaration here that my creation now gets the revelation of my light in Jesus Christ. And notice the separation, darkness and light. There has to be a separation here. Why? Because there is darkness, and I have something that overpowers it and overcomes it, and it's Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ. So when we look at this slide, Genesis 1, 1 through 4, I'd like to just kind of do um, process this kind of in a new way. So it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be Jesus. Let there be Jesus. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separate, separated the light from the darkness, and Jesus overcomes, overpowers, the darkness. This is not an accident, folks. Because Jesus is the one whereby we can get our health, get our emotional perspective, get our spiritual perspective. 
He takes all time and he puts it in correct, organic perspective. We get out of kilter when we let the darkness invade our thinking, our relationships, our experiences. But Jesus does the opposite. Jesus does the opposite. So I'm not sure what life is throwing at you today. It could be like Lori sitting on the bed, paralyzed, only able to stare at a black and white TV that picked up three channels. Yes, at one time there were only three channels that you could get in Milwaukee. Maybe we had four. We probably had UHF, so we had four. But even in the middle of whatever you're experiencing this morning, Jesus Christ has been put as the life that you need to walk through what you're experiencing today. Jesus Christ. Jesus is it's why we can say he's the redeemer, the mighty warrior, the mighty fortress, the savior, the defender, the healer. He is all those things because he is life. And we are walking through a creation that has darkness. When we plug into Jesus, we get to plug into eternity from the beginning to the end. And he has been set in place to bring the everlasting God and his dwelling place to us. Jesus isn't a creation. Jesus is the ever-living creator, the light and the life giver who was set. He was put in place for us from the beginning. This is not a mistake. This is Scripture revealing our Christ from the beginning to the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So I, I don't know how you slept last night. I can tell you right now, we'll have this conversation later. I did not have the con this conversation with my wife this morning, but she probably didn't sleep last night. And I can tell you why she probably didn't sleep last night, because we've moved our bedroom to the third floor, and I decided I'm going to save money, so I changed the heating so that it goes really cold, because we have a little heater in, our, in the third floor bedroom, but... Saturday nights, I sleep by myself because I get up at 3 in the morning. And uh, I forgot that she was sleeping on the second floor, so the heat went. So she probably got really, really cold. And then when I got up, I turned the heat on, and that always wakes her up. So she, I can tell you right now, she had a bad night. She probably, I hope she got back to sleep, but I can guarantee you probably around 4 o'clock that she woke up and we'll have that conversation. You can have that conversation with her, too. So that's something that distresses our rest. But there's things that distress our spirit as we walk. I don't know what you're walking through today, but there's only one way to walk through it in a healthy way where you can walk in a place where you have peace, and that's with Jesus. He has to be the center because he's already been set up as being the beginning and the end. You have to be able to see him as your source of life or you will not be able to walk through what you're walking through together. The great thing about this verse from 1 John, and it tells us this, 
Let me walk through it. This is really amazing. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And there's this little, this little ingredient underneath it. It's just powerful. Powerful ingredient underneath it. It's that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to experience communion together. The blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all sin. Now, I, I do have a couple examples because communion is always a hard thing. So worship team, if you want to come up um, right now. Not you yet, Tim. Um, I was looking through some communion hymns. And it is funny how sometimes we we don't necessarily get the pure experience of communion. So let me read uh, from a couple of hymns. This is the hymn, now, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. You, you, you probably know this one. Amy Grant made it famous in the 90s sometime when she sang it again on one of her albums. O Sacred Head Now Wounded With Grief and Shame Weighed Down Now Scornfully Surrounded With Thorns Thine only crown, how pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn. How does that visage language, which once was bright as morn? I love that verse. This is a good verse. Here's the last verse. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? Oh, make me thine forever. Oh, make me thine forever. That's good. That's good. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. Now, there's a little bit of a problem with um, outlive my love to thee because it's kind of missing that full perspective of God incorporating us and, make, and putting us in a relationship whereby he does it and we don't. He does it and we don't. So this morning, as we're thinking about communion, let's remember that. He does it. If it was dependent on us, we'd screw it up. Our, our, our love for him is going to fail. Here's another one. And then uh, after this, Tim, I'll ask you to come over and you can start playing. This is, there is a fountain. There is a fountain. I'm going to just quickly go to one verse. Um, dear, two verses. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. That's good. That's good. He's ransoming us to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Verse 4. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy, blooding, thy, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Well, you know what? His redeeming blood is going to be a lot longer and work a lot longer than till I die. Now, it is my experience that I'm going to have but we get to plug in, folks. Communion plugs us in 
to eternity. It is what the blood of Jesus Christ did for us. So I'm just wondering right now, I'm just wondering right now if somebody has a testimony or can share something that they're walking through where they need to see the Jesus who died for us, yes, but who is the ever-living light in life, in their life. So either a testimony to the fact that you're, he is your life and your light, or maybe you're walking through something where you need to see his light in life through his affectious blood. Anyone? Yeah, I've got to share this. On our way here this morning, Cindy and I were talking with Tom, and I was quoting the scripture, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. And we was talking about God's majesty and how he overcomes things for us and how it's, we're working to become an overcomer and so on and so forth. So just this um, thing about creation, you know, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens yeah. from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. You have established strength to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. You know, just an amazing portion of scripture from, from Psalm 8. So anyway, thanks. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Excellent. Anyone else? Yeah, you're saying, oh, I can't top Mike. It's okay. Just bring it. Anyone else? Um, I'm going through a STEP program, and something that I was studying in my assignment this week that really just stood out to me was the Jewish custom of starting your day. Your day actually starts at sundown. And just the mindset that that has, that God is working more when we're resting and we're out of the way. And then that way, when we get up, we're refreshed and ready to do whatever God has for us. And it was just like an aha moment for me. So when we're talking about seeds of time, and Lori got up and shared about um, what she was reading about that prophecy, about how God is giving back the time that the enemy stole, and it just kind of all tied together for me, it was just a big aha moment. So I, I thank God for his light in that, even just in the mindset concept that, you know, when I'm sleeping, God's working. I know that's something we all know, but it was just priceless to me. So, Very good. Praise God. Anyone else? I think this um, tied in with uh, another Christmas Eve service that Bill and I attended prior to the one at Agape here this past Christmas. We, uh, we went to Faith United Methodist in Matoorsville because my son attends there and he's a bell ringer, um, which is funny in itself. But anyways, the, the message was much like this that night. And I really liked it because we often focus on the baby in the manger, and it's sometimes it almost becomes a nice story to us. But when you put it in perspective of Alpha and Omega, um, 
he was there from the beginning. He will be there for eternity. Mm-hmm. And the scripture that night wasn't typical of uh, the other gospels, but it was focused on John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Um, the Trinity was there from the beginning, yeah. and it puts it in perspective. And he came to us. Um, yeah. I just felt that that was profound, mm-hmm. and I think we, we need to focus on the big picture and not the, the little manger scene. Mm-hmm. Amen.